Hello, this is James, and welcome back to The Word is Very Near You, my podcast about God's presence in our everyday lives. Thanks so much for being with me today. I'm in the midst of a series called Think and Do, which is based on Paul's letter to the Ephesians. As I record this, it's just a few days before Valentine's Day, the day when we celebrate love. It's certainly one of my favorite holidays, as well as my family's. It's usually a big to-do around here with cards and chocolate and gifts. A lot of fun to celebrate our love for one another. And as we do that, I believe it's the perfect time to reflect on the source of that love, which of course is God. John writes, we love because he first loved us. Love comes from God. It's his nature. It's who he is. And therefore, our love for one another is simply an overflow of the love with which he has loved us. There's an amazing prayer in Ephesians chapter 3 that Paul prays for his readers to experience the powerful and boundless love of Christ. And it goes like this. I'm starting in chapter 3, verse 14. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that, out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Wow, what a prayer. And if you're keeping score at home, this is now the second prayer Paul has offered in the opening three chapters of his letter. And this prayer certainly has some points of contact with the first prayer in chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. Both prayers reference love, whereas the first prayer focuses on the love the Ephesians have for others, this prayer focuses more on their understanding and realization of God's love. In both prayers, Paul requests that the Ephesians would have a real, authentic experience of God's power deep inside. In the first prayer, chapter 1, he prays that the eyes of their heart would be enlightened to know God's power. And in this prayer, chapter 3, he prays they would know God's power deep in their inner being. A few observations about the prayer we're looking at today in chapter 3. Paul begins it with the words, For this reason, which of course look back to the topic he's been discussing since chapter 2, which is all about the mystery of how God has included the Gentiles in Israel's story that the Gentiles are now being included in God's family through the gospel that Paul is proclaiming. Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, is part of this mystery where God has now opened up salvation to not just his people, Israel, 
but to the entire world, including the Ephesians. And the prayer almost seems to be Paul's spontaneous reaction of joy and wonder and awe and gratitude at the amazing thing God has done by folding the Gentiles in to Israel's salvation story. And it's full of these memorable phrases like, how long and wide and deep and high is the love of Christ, to know this love that surpasses knowledge immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. All those phrases together seem to speak to this idea of Paul is trying to describe the indescribable. He's trying to describe the experience of the supernatural, to describe something that's really, in the end, unknowable, an experience that is unexperienceable, that he wants his readers to know and be filled with the love of the infinite and holy God, the creator of the universe. And in a way, that's beyond his description, our description, our words. It's an amazing prayer. It's a true prayer. It's a prayer, I think, when we're honest about our experience with God and how hard it is or how difficult it is to put into words sometimes what he means to us and how his love fills our lives. It's a perfect prayer to pray because it just speaks to our experience of God and how much we need his boundless love in our lives. This prayer is divided up into two sections. Verses 14 through 19 form the prayer itself, the prayer proper, where Paul is offering a request for the Ephesians. And verses 20 and 21 is more of a doxology, a praise to God for who he is and what he's done. And if you've been following along with me over the last few episodes, it probably wouldn't surprise you if I told you that verses 14 through 19 were one long sentence in the original Greek. We've seen that over and over again in this letter that Paul loves these long sentences where he can pile up the thoughts and words and ideas and phrases into this big kind of ball of meaning. And that's what's happening here in the opening prayer of 14 through 19. Bible scholar Andrew Lincoln says it like this, In many ways, the substance of the different requests amounts to the same thing, to be strengthened through the Spirit, to be indwelt by Christ, to be rooted in love, to know the love of Christ, and to be filled to the fullness of God involve different aspects of the experience of the same reality. And I think when we step back from the prayer a bit and look at it, we see that's true. We see that in essence, Paul is kind of praying the same thing over and over in these five verses that he wants his readers to know and experience the infinite mystery and depth of God's love and God's presence in their daily lives. He wants them to know God and his love for them, which again is mysterious because we're talking about supernatural, holy, almighty, omnipotent God making himself known to finite, limited human beings. And there's always an element of mystery of how that works, right? And the prayer itself certainly acknowledges this mystery, right? In verse 19, Paul prays that the Ephesians would know this love that surpasses knowledge. I love that wordplay, that they would know not just intellectually, but personally, 
experientially this deep love of Jesus, that they would know it in a personal and profound and real way in their everyday lives. Nothing wrong with intellectual knowledge, but it's limited. It only takes us so far. There's a profound difference between knowing about God's love for you, knowing that that's true, and knowing it in a way that touches your heart and changes your life and the way that you live. And as with many things in the spiritual life, it's not an either or here, it's a both and. That we would know the love of God cognitively, intellectually, know that's factually true, but that knowledge would also touch our hearts and our lives in real ways. And when you look at where this prayer is placed in the letter, we see that that's true. Because this prayer occurs right before the pivot in the book of Ephesians. If you've been following along with me, you know my series here is called Think and Do. And the first three chapters are all about theology and ideas and the Ephesians knowing who God is and who they are. And it's very heavy on theology and understanding and knowledge and experience of God's love and power in their lives. And so this prayer occurs right at the very end of what I refer to as the think portion of Ephesians. But then the very next verse after 321 is chapter 4, verse 1, which reads, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. That's the pivot. And the entire rest of the letter is really all about how to live, how to walk. Very practical advice for the Ephesians in living in their everyday lives. So you can see Paul's logic then, can't you, that he wants them to have a firm grasp on the truth of who God is and who they are, and specifically in this prayer, his boundless, unending love for them. That before he says a word to them about do this or don't do that, he wants them to know that they are rooted and grounded in love, that they have an experience of the overflowing abundance of Jesus' love. And I believe its placement here in the letter is just huge because so often we're tempted to think of the Bible as this giant book of do's and don'ts, as if it's God's massive to-do list for us. And I think that's a reason why we sometimes shy away from reading the Bible, at least I know I do, because we might be told or think that there's something else God wants us to do or something we've got to stop doing. But when you begin to understand this prayer and this book of Ephesians, you begin to see that the entire Christian life can be summed up in one word, and that word is overflow. That the entire Christian life becomes just an overflow. That when you know that you know that you know that God loves you no matter what. And I think of all the ways in my life, the times when God's love has sustained me through failure and heartbreak. And times when I didn't think I could go on. And also through the successes and joys and times when I could have gotten a big head and gotten filled up with myself. But God's love grounded me and kept me humble and made me realize that it was God's love that was giving me those joys and successes. God's love is what sustains us and keeps us going. It's this ocean of endless, boundless love. That is the love that propels us to go out into the world and to listen and to serve and to think of others before ourselves. 
we don't want to get the cart before the horse and just start doing all these good deeds in our own strength. No, we meditate and understand and begin to realize the incredible love God has for us. And so our obedience, our doing, is simply a response, an overflow to the great love he has already shown us. So as we reflect on the beauty and depth of Paul's prayer here, I think the most appropriate response is worship. Reading Paul's words here reminds me of a chorus we used to sing many years ago in a church I was a part of. It was an old Michael W. Smith song that went, More love, more power, more of you in my life. And that little chorus is a very fitting summary of this prayer. More love, more power, more of you in my life. That's what this prayer is all about. That's what we all need. Or a classic hymn, The Deep, Deep Love of Jesus, written by Samuel Francis, a man who at one point in his life was very troubled, even contemplated suicide, but had a true experience of God, and out of that wrote this hymn, The Deep, Deep Love of Jesus. And the opening verse goes, Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, vast, unmeasured, boundless, free rolling as a mighty ocean in its fullness over me. Underneath me, all around me, is the current of thy love, leading onward, leading homeward, to thy glorious rest above. And of course, many beautiful choruses and hymns have been written reflecting on the depth of God's love that Paul describes here. The other application I would mention is in an earlier episode, I talked about how sometimes when we're praying for other people, one of the best things we can do is stick their name in a prayer like this, or even insert our own name, right? That when we pray, we don't always just have to make up our own prayers and pray whatever's on our mind. Nothing wrong with that, of course. But sometimes when we can take words that someone else like Paul has written and use that as the basis for our prayers for others and ourselves, and especially a prayer like this, which is all about us having a dynamic experience of God's deep love. This has been The Word is Very Near You. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back soon with another devotion.